0: Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Today, we are going to be talking about kind of all three of them, a little bit of the impact, definitely some of the income, but more about what goes on inside of you and making you the best person that you can be. My guest today has one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. She's known as the Pet Lady. For the last eight years, she's been building an amazing business, helping people with pets. She's been featured on all the major news networks. She's had her own television show. But when the pandemic hit, if you guys remember, everybody had to pivot. Well, she got stuck in Guatemala for three months. She wrote a book completely rewrote a book, if we're being completely honest, all about how to overcome depend- codependency because that's what the pandemic brought out in her life. And she knew that she had to pivot her entire business and go in a whole new direction. Now she is helping people break the codependence cycle. Dana, how are you doing today?
1: <laughs> hey, Steve, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for that great introduction.
0: No problem. It is my pleasure. So, I mean, that's a pretty crazy story. Like, we know a lot of people pivoted during the pandemic. They made some changes. You know, they started showing up in their boxer shorts to work, maybe getting up a little bit later. You got trapped in Guatemala. You were the pet lady, you had a hugely high successful business, and you decided to take a hard pivot into codependency, which I think most people would be like, where did that come from? I'm gonna let you take this away. Where did all of this start for you? And tell us, I guess, the name of your book. I guess I should start there. May all beings be fed. That wasn't Thank the original you. title,
1: right? No, it wasn't. Um, I don't know. There's I'm not sure where to begin, but um yeah. The, I guess I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time. Uh, I started my first company back in 2007, and I'm originally from the West Coast. And um, I was, um, I'll just start from the very beginning. Sure. A very good place to start. Um, I I grew up in California, and uh, I was going to San Diego State University, getting a degree in public relations. And um, my parents were moving to Thailand. And so our family pug, Winston, moved in with me. So I finished my PR degree. I was looking for a job and I ended up applying uh for a PR uh position at a pet company. And I got the job. And so I got to bring Winston to work with me. So I kind of got set into the pet industry and started working with all kinds of pet experts, uh, worked with a pet behavior expert Arden Moore and she would come to the store and do mutt meatballs and all kinds of amazing things and Doga yoga. And um, And then I quit and I moved to New York City in 2007, and that's when I started Whitegate PR, and that's a PR firm specializing in the pet industry. And then through that process, along the way, having different clients and seeing different needs in the marketplace, um, I started a trade show with a business partner called the NYC Retails and Sales Pet Expo, basically a trade show in the pet industry in New York City, Um, And then um, started doing TV segments, um, talking about tips and tricks for pet owners, Um, positioned myself as the pet lady, got the trademark, was doing TV segments all across the country. I was traveling so much, uh, pretty much every single day. I was on a train, a plane, a boat, an airplane, going going to Fox or ABC or NBC or CBS, doing some kind of TV segment talking about you know, Halloween pet fashion or whatever. Uh, then I, then I started teaching, I started teaching marketing at FIT. I started teaching in the pet product marketing department. Um, I, I also teach at Baruch college. And, um, so that was, that's all my marketing stuff and all my pet industry stuff. And I've been in that industry for a long time. And then, um, in March of 2020, I was, flying to Guatemala to go to a retreat. Um, and I was actually supposed to fly on March 18th on March 14th. I went to yoga. I came home. I went on Facebook. I saw that Guatemala was about to close its borders to all North Americans. And I said, no way I want to go. I still need to go on my retreat. My retreat's still happening. I want to go. So I called my airline And they said, sure. Can you get to the airport in an hour? And I said, yes, I was already packed. I was super excited for it. You know, and if you can think about back to March, 2020, like we didn't know, we didn't, you know, we didn't know it was going to be this huge thing that it, that it became. Right. Um, So I thought, you know, sure, there'll be an impact for a week or two with this whole COVID thing. And then life will go back to whatever. So March 14th, I fly to Guatemala. I was the last flight to arrive in the country. And then basically, I slowly, as I was there, I just had more lasts every day. I was like on the last bus that was available to ride in the country. I had like the last meal at a restaurant. And finally, I made it to my destination within Guatemala. I took a boat taxi. I get off. I'm like, make it to the retreat. I'm so happy. I'm like waving at everybody like, yeah, I made it. And they're like, you need to leave right now. And I'm like, no, I'm Dana, I made it. I'm here from New York, I'm here for the retreat. And they're like, yeah, no, you you have to leave. You cannot be here. And the venue was not allowing any more people onto the grounds. So I ended up going to this little small town in San Marcos in Guatemala, 500 person town. And I ended up getting SIP stuck in paradise there for about three months. And, um, at the last minute when I was leaving, I decided to grab my laptop. I had originally planned just to go for like 10 days, you know, be on this retreat and then come and take a little vacation. And at the last second I grabbed my laptop. I'm so grateful that I did. um, because I had time while I was there to really work on my book and, so I originally had a book deal for a book called Adventures with the Pet Lady, and it's supposed to be a hardcover coffee table book, short and sweet, little infographics, how to take care of your pet. So I did write that book and I just never turned it in. I never gave it to the publisher because I wasn't like a hell yes to it. And so then I kind of changed my thesis into this like really complicated um almost like a term paper or thesis about codependency in pets and wrote that. And then I had a few people, you know, look at it for me and check it out. And it was kind of complicated. And from there, I got really honest with myself while I was in Guatemala that I wanted to write a memoir. And um, that's really where the book was born. I had time to, uh, time to write it, time to think about what stories I wanted to tell. And um, yeah, while I was in Guatemala, I lived with 11 other people. Uh, they were all strangers. None of us knew each other. We were all in the same situation. We'd all flown from different parts of the world to come to this retreat. And once we arrived, we were told no, you know, no. And, um, and so we lived in community for, for three months and uh, it was such a beautiful experience. And um, during that time, I shaved my head. I really as a promise or declaration to myself to not be a marketer anymore um, and to not spend my life force energy marketing other people's products and helping companies improve their bottom line and really um, get true on my purpose of helping people that are struggling with codependency to live a better life and Part part, along the way, um, you know, I I was in a relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder and realized through my research around that, that they're the same side of the different side of the same coin, narcissism and codependency. So I spent a lot of time researching about narcissism and pointing the finger and blaming like, oh, yes, how bad are they? And I really had to get honest with myself and turn the finger around and say, okay, what's happening here? And, um, codependency is, can be a hard pill to swallow. Um, and I think it's something that is very prevalent today. Um, and you know, I've been on my own journey to kind of heal my own codependency and I write my stories in my memoir and I'm, I'm happy to coach people about that.
0: I mean, that is like, that's a huge story just to like recap. (laughs) I'm a successful marketing person who started a business. I just want to point this out. You like glanced over it. I started a business in 2007, going into the toughest economy the world has seen and you were successful. Then you're flying all over the place. And most people, if you ask them, that would be the dream. I'm traveling all over. I'm on TV. I'm well-known. I have an expo. And then the pandemic serves up. You're like excited to go to the retreat. You get there and the pandemic serves up hey, go live with 11 people that you've never met in a third world country with a laptop and probably like one shower for all of you. And you're like, okay, and I'm going to shave my head because I want to make a commitment that, although I obviously like marketing, that was not my dream in life. I just kind of got sucked into it, which I think is what the pandemic did for a lot of people. It gave them the space and the time to be like, "What, what am I doing? Why am I why am I doing this? Right. And now we see people kind of going back that direction. It's really interesting. That's a topic for another day. So, okay. How did, what I want to know, codependency with pets, codependency with people, all of that came to the forefront in your mind. And first off, I want to like, give you the best round of applause. Like I Like victim mentality, where you're pointing fingers at everybody else is the easiest thing to do. And it is the least helpful. If there was one thing I could remove from the world, it would be the ability to blame anybody else for your problems. It always starts with us. And you took responsibility for that. and You saw that. So is it codependency with pets? Is it with people? Is it both? Talk to me a little bit about like, what was your moment in Guatemala where you were like, oh my goodness, this is me. Because that had to be a big revelation.
1: So um, so pets, dogs and cats specifically, are dependent on us, just like children. They are our dependents. Okay? We've decided that doggy or kitty is going to come live with us, and they're going to be in our house. So they're no longer in nature where they can fend for themselves. And now we need to provide for them. We need to give them food, we need to give them water, we need to give them shelter because that's kind of the agreement we're, we're in of saying like, hey, you're gonna be my pet now. So um, where I see the issue is where, where there's a codependency, right, the, like the pet should be dependent on us, we should not be dependent on them. And so this is something that happens, you know, in our society a lot is that you'll hear maybe someone has a family member that passes away or a loved one that passes away and they are feeling sad, right? Oh, go, you should get a dog. And it's, and it's, um, that's just one example. Uh, But this happens a lot of like, oh, you're, you know, having some difficult, challenging feelings, you know, get a, get a dog. They'll show you unconditional love. And so now it becomes that we are becoming dependent on them because we're not like honoring our own emotional needs and taking responsibility for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so I see this, you know, as the pet industry continues to grow um, I see this happening more and more is like, there's this kind of like catchy phrase out there, like dog is my co-pilot. Well, I'd like to challenge you like, yeah, have your dog, have a cat. Like I'm not, I'm pro, you know, being a pet parent, but um, like, just be careful and, and watch. Like, are you substituting human interaction with animal interaction? Because it's easier. Like, I'd like to encourage people to get back into the extreme sport of human relating and deal with our own problems and, like, be able to be with each other and talk things out then just avoid people and say, that's too hard, that's too scary, that's too whatever. And I'm just going to bring my dog everywhere with me. And they're going to be my my companion, my spouse, my loved one, my everything. And it's, you know, I think it's... um, we've become comfortable letting them, letting our, our animals, uh, kind of take this, this spot of like best friend or partner. And, you know, I'm kind of saying like, well, no, like they're, they're your dog. They're dependent on you.
0: Hey, thanks for taking a moment to check out this episode of grow your impact, income, and influence the number one show helping you reach millions. Have you ever thought about building your own webinar or using public speaking to reach your ideal audience? Well, if you'd like my help with it, over the last several years, I have built more than 40 live events for clients just like you. In the last 18 months, I've helped 32 entrepreneurs build their webinar with over $5 million in cumulative sales. If you'd like to see how I can work with you, or if you'd be interested in having me speak at your event or be on your podcast, go to stephen.coffee, that's steven.coffee. That's S T E V E C-O-F-F-E-E to book a short call with me and see how we can work together. All right. Let's jump back to the episode. That's a, I mean, you're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit. I, I mean, I've seen, I can talk about like three or four like examples of seeing that. Like I remember 15 years ago, you would never see a dog in a store with somebody. You wouldn't see a dog at a restaurant with somebody. You wouldn't see a dog on the plane with somebody, but now there are people that are literally like, Oh, they're my emotional support animal. Like, I I hate to say this, but if you have that and that is your crutch, you are like, you're giving up your power and you're giving up, like, that's what I see. Like, you're just making yourself like, oh no, I need this thing to like pet and like take care of. And if I don't, I get really anxious. Like you're making, like, you can learn to survive without that. And I think I see to your point, like a lot of people don't want the, like, sometimes human interaction can be messy, right? It can be uncomfortable. You can have some yeah. arguments with somebody, like even your best friend, you might not always see as your best friend. You might have some arguments, you might have some disagreements, you might, whatever. Oh, but my dog is never going to talk back to me and I can personify them and put all the emotions on them and they're perfect. And now my life is perfect and I can pet the dog. Like that's, that that's what I hear you saying. And I see that. And I, I agree with you. I'm like, I've actually, um, I've not gone on dates with people based on like, we'll talk a little bit. And if they start talking a bunch about their pet and taking care of them, I'm like, mm, probably not a good idea. Like that's, it's dangerous, I think. But anyway, tell me more about how did this come to be in Guatemala? Like was, did you, was your animal in New York? Was this something you saw in yourself? Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, I guess about, uh, about two years before I went to Guatemala, I ended a relationship with someone, as I said before, who, who I believe has narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder. And so I really started looking at the DCM five, DSM five, looking at personality disorders, looking at, um, like, what's going on here in my patterns. And, and then with the discovery of deciding this person was a narcissist, like, Oh, the other relationships I had before that were also probably not that healthy. And what's the common denominator here? Me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was like doing a lot of inner work, um, and doing a lot of research and just, um, so I guess it was kind of like a work in progress that I was um, deciding these things. And um, at the time I didn't have a pet, I actually came home from uh, I went to Guatemala being a dog lover and I came home from Guatemala being a cat lover. Um, and uh, so when, as soon as I got home from Guatemala, I actually adopted two cats and everyone in my life was like, what's going on? I always thought you were a dog person. And um you know, and that's, that's a whole another part of this, like philosophy I had about codependency and pets about like introvert, extrovert, like cat person, dog person. And um, basically I fell in love with a cat that was our neighbor's cat while I was living in Guatemala. I had never really known about cats before. And um, so that was, I would say was like the main, like change that happened there. and I think that the ideas I had were kind of brewing for a while, but once I was in Guatemala, I had some time and space to, um, you know, just write everything down. And, um, yeah, in, in the house in Guatemala, you know, we had somehow one of our housemates was an IT director from Israel, and so he managed to get us like, I don't know, all the Wi-Fi. Like we had we had all the Wi-Fi. It was amazing. We could, all 12 of us could be on like video conference calls and it was like working. Um, so my office was a sleeping bag in the yard. Like I found my little spot. I had a grass little plot. I had my sleeping bag and people knew when I was sitting there, like I was working because we didn't have uh space to all be inside or else it would be way too noisy. So um, yeah. Well, Hang on. Of- I want
0: to, I want to ask, like, how did you guys like you were all going to the same retreat? How did you find a place to rent? Like, I'm just like all the questions of logistics. Like, I would go to a hostel, but I'm not going to spend three months in a hostel. Like what? Like, were you guys just like, let's get a house? Like, I I know this is kind of outside of codependency, but how did like 11 of you end up in a place together?
1: So the retreat was supposed to be one week.
0: Um, How many people?
1: uh, I'm not sure how many people were actually supposed to be at the retreat. probably like 30, but uh, okay. the 11 of us actually had said COVID what COVID we're coming, whatever we made it. Uh, some people left, you know, these were like the, the last of us, um, who were there. And, um, so the retreat was seven days and then there was going to be like a, par- a weekend party at this house. So we had already rented the house for three days and it was actually like this really amazing house that usually they rent out for weddings. So we lived there for the three days and then we contacted the landlord and we, we were like, well, you know, there's like no, there's no transportation. Like the, the, the lakes closed, the tuk-tuks are closed. Like there's literally no movement happening at all. At you know, everything's locked down. I mean, Guatemala was one of the first countries that said, you know, no like everybody locked down they knew they were not prepared and they like we had a curfew every day at 4 p.m so also the town was afraid of us here's a 500 person town in the middle of Guatemala with 12 foreigners during COVID and they're like they're they were worried about us and I you know I think that that was a fair assessment. So they actually came and took our vitals every single morning. So every morning, a team from the from the health center would come and take our temperature, our blood pressure, our, um, I don't know, some, some other sign and uh, keep track of us. And so we were only allowed to send one person per day outside between the hours of like I don't know, 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. to get groceries. And um, so there was a lot of logistics. There was a lot of logistics. That's,
0: I mean it sounds, it sounds crazy, but it also sounds like you guys made it work and you had some big takeaways. So I, I want to kind of transition from the story. I just knew I could hear people asking like, how does that work? I want to transition to a little bit more talk about codependence. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I don't know what, what makes somebody codependent? What's one or two signs that you could see that people could see in themselves maybe, or that they should look for like warning signs. What, what, should they be looking for?
1: So, um, you kind of touched on this earlier, people that have anxiety, um, neurotic behaviors, like triple checking things, um, maybe perfectionist behavior where you are afraid to, uh, kind of put yourself out there, put your work out there unless it's totally perfect. Um, there could be some addictions, um, externally focused. So you're like, more interested in like outs- the, how the outside perceives you versus how you perceive yourself. Um, there's like this want for validation from the outside and, and constantly kind of thinking like, how am I being perceived? Like, how does this, how does this show up? Uh, people pleasing, it's kind of along the same lines, um, maybe endlessly giving and then expect in, in, in a way, you know, like codependency and narcissism are, are together because actually, um, endlessly giving is manipulative as well. It's like this, having this subconscious expectation that, oh, if I give and give and give and give at some point, they're going to give back to me versus just like, oh, I have this thing that I can share with somebody and giving it and having it be a true gift to them. Um, so any kind of giving with expectation is, uh, kind of gets a little murky with that. Um, but yeah, I would. Oh, and also sometimes people feel like they're invisible. Like they're not, they don't, no one can see them. Like they're not, they don't feel seen. And that is because they don't see themselves. Right. So that's first, yeah, that's the first thing.
0: Well, they're looking for, I mean, the, 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 I think everything that you've said is awesome. I think it points directly to it. What they're really looking for those people is they don't feel High self worth. They're lacking self esteem and they're looking to get it from somebody else. And I mean, I guess I can see with a pet, you're providing everything for that pet. And then you start placing their voice, right? And you're like, oh, they love me. Oh, they're taking care of me. Oh, they can't live without me. And like before you know it, you've created this like weird space in your mind, right?
1: So a lot of what you're talking about is anthropomorphism, it's like applying human characteristics to our animals, right? Like when Mm -hmm. you say like, oh, they must be thinking this or they, yeah, they're saying this. It's like, we don't know. We have no idea how their thoughts work, right? But, or placing like, oh, they're gonna, or like, um, I like fish flavor. I don't like chicken. So my cats are gonna like fish better, right? These weird like things that we come up with. Um, And I think that for someone who, who is codependent having something to take care of actually can be a healthy thing so that you're not again, like seeking that so much from another person. Like, let me take care of you in this expectation that you're going to take care of me. It can be healthy to have, you know, someone, uh, like a dog that you have to go outside every single day. Maybe that is what gets you out of the house and gets you some exercise. And, and I'd like to invite you to like, do that for yourself, right? Like, can you, yourself to like decide, yes, I need exercise. And I'm going to go do that for myself and not have it be for this other thing.
0: That's, I mean, I like it. So talk to me about what is something that you hear people say all the time around either narcissism or codependency that you're just like, no, that's not true because you've obviously done a lot of research and you've thought, I mean, you had three months to sit and think about it and it totally shifted the entire focus of your life and your business what is something that you wanna set the record straight on?
1: <laughs> um...
0: I mean, I've heard, I've heard so many different things. I mean, the first one is like the whole victim thing, right? Like, oh, they're a narcissist and they're a narcissist. I heard like somebody called Tony Robbins a narcissist, right? I've heard, and I was like, why?
1: I hear that a lot. Oh, I hear that a lot. Because
0: he likes to talk about himself. Well, he is somebody who talks on stage And he is somebody who points at people, but I don't think he's, he has a good ego. I would say that, but I don't think he braces into narcissism, which is like completely unhealthy and taking advantage of other people and expecting everything. I think he has very little expectation of other people. I think he's willing to push people. I don't know if that's helpful, but what's, what's something that you would, you would point to and be like,
1: there's, um, I think there's an important distinction that you brought up though, because there is something like narcissistic personality disorder, which is like, there has to be five out of 10 characteristics that the person has. And then there's just mm-hmm. narcissistic trait, which like every single person can have a narcissistic trait at one point or another. And it's not all bad. It's not all whatever. Um, uh, I just thought of something and then I, I lost it again. Oh, I know. Okay. So, um, the, there's a book called the subtle art of not giving a yeah can I swear on this show
0: <laughs> you can if you want
1: so there's a book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck and so um so I feel like this idea sometimes gets um gets a little a little weird with people of um but I, I think that that's how hel- I think it's actually really healthy to to not you know not give not give a crap, right? If you're really not focused on external validation and you're focused on internal validation, then you're not caring as much about what other people think. And um, yeah, I think
0: think that is really healthy. Like if you, I mean, you shouldn't, I don't think you should go out and like needlessly hurt people with your actions, but I don't think you should do things based on what they're going to do or not do right like if you enter a situation i remember um i don't it, it, sometime in high school i don't know if it was a guidance counselor or speaker told us not like he was like you should never do something based on the reaction that you're going to get or trying to manipulate people you should do what you're going to do what you feel like doing if you think it's going to hurt somebody then maybe you should rethink your actions cuz you should never go out trying to harm right but at yeah. the same time you shouldn't if, if you think about every little thing that you're going to do, you can always find a reason to not do anything. Then it's going to create anxiety. Then you're going to be shut down.
1: Yeah, so I think there's. right, And it's, it's actually impossible to predict what the outcome of anything is ever going to be because every single person has different thoughts, ideas, words, you know, emotional place that they're in at that moment when you do it or say it. So like, trying to predict the outcome is also trying to control the situation, which again is like a codependent trait.
0: Yeah. The, I mean, (laughs) you can't control everything. You can only control yourself, your reactions and how you deal with things. Um, Dana, this has been a great show. Like it's been a pretty wild journey. Um, it's pretty fun. If people wanted to learn more about you, we are linking the Amazon page for your book, May All Beings Be Fed, down below. You're holding it up on the screen as well. If you're watching this on video, you can see what the cover looks like. If people want to reach out and get in contact with you, is the best place on Facebook. Where should they find you?
1: Sure. Um, so you can find me on my website. It's www.danahumphrey.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Dana K. Humphrey. And I'm also on social media on Facebook. Um, at Dana Humphrey life coaching.
0: Awesome. We will link those down below along with the book. I just want to say thank you so much for being an amazing guest and sharing your journey with us. Thank you. No problem to everybody else out there until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy cliff notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.